Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Right, let's get ourselves ready. Let's pray and get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Right, we've been on this subject on the primary purpose of the fivefold ministry. We've been looking at why did God give the fivefold ministry? And um, I, I thought we we're going to spend two days on it, but. Um, Two Sundays on it, rather, but uh, we're still building on it. We're still seeing what the Lord is teaching us from here, and we would finish next Sunday, so we'd have it in four parts. So this is the third part, and um, I did recommend to you, um, which I think is very important, before you come for the Sunday service, that you go through your notes um, of the previous Sunday. So you, you are able to catch up and follow where we are um, in the things that we're studying. And that's a very important approach to have towards... It's part of your preparation for service. Praise God. It's part of your preparation for the Sunday meetings and whatever meetings you have in church. Especially when we're dealing with a subject like this. So we, we are in Ephesians chapter 4. If you will turn your Bibles there again. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. We can start from verse 7. Uh, last Sunday we talked about the purpose. We were beginning to see the purpose gradually. So we go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To everyone, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when it says, it says, um, in verse 8, is actually quoting Psalm 68, verse 18. Okay? The, 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 uh, the Apostle Paul is quoting the book of Psalms. So, he says, for it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended... What does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. He who ascended is he himself also. He who descended, sorry. Is he himself also he who ascended. Far above all the heavens so that he might feel all things. And he, the, the, he's talking about he, not Jesus. The word he, 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 there is Jesus. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For he gave for now if I say to you I gave you your uh, uh, I'm giving you if I call you now and I say for instance uh, Sister Janet and I give you this handkerchief, right? And I say, I'm giving you this 
for the purpose. Now, if I give you this handkerchief, for instance, if I call you and I say, hey, hello, and I give you this handkerchief, you can decide to use it for many things. Am I right? Right? Okay. You can decide to use it to do what? To, to wash plates. To do what? To clean your face. You can, use it to, you can decide to use it to do what? To dust your shoes. You can decide to use it to do what? To cover your hair. You can decide to use it to do what? As nose mask. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. So if I call you and I give you the handkerchief and I say, Hey, Sister Janet or Brother John, take. Then you decide what to use it for. Uh, will I be right by saying that? Do you understand that? If I say, hey, take this handkerchief, you can decide what you want to use the handkerchief for. Am I right? But if I say, hey, Sister Janet, take this handkerchief for your nose mask. What have I done? I've given you the gift and I've told you why I gave you the gift. Am I right? Now, if you decide to go use the handkerchief for, to clean your shoes, you are using it, but you're not using it for the purpose which I gave it to you. Are we on the same page? Now, if I use the word for, if I say I'm giving you this for, it means I have already established the boundaries of your usage. You can decide to do what you want to do with it, but that, at, at that time, you're not fulfilling my purpose. You are determining your own purpose. Am I right? Okay. So if we put that in the scripture, verse 10 Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and teachers, for, what does that tell us? The purpose, come on now, I'll just give you an example, what does that tell you? The purpose is already determined. What's the purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So, we are equipping the saints, or the fivefold ministry is designed by God to equip the saints for the work of ministry to the intent of the building up of the body of Christ. So, it is defined. You can't change that. It's defined already. God has already decided the purpose of the fivefold ministry. Now, he goes on to say, until, that means, until we tell us for the period of time. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there is a specific knowledge. That God wants the body of Christ to attain to. You've got to follow this now. 
There is a specific knowledge that God wants the body of Christ to attain to. And what is that knowledge? The knowledge of the Son of God. That means that all the fivefold ministry has to ensure that people in the church are equipped with the knowledge of the Son of God. That, that would be Jesus. Because sometimes we come to church and they're teaching us all kinds of things except Jesus. Except the knowledge of God's word. Now he goes on to say, to a mature man, the, the King James or the New King James Version, we use the word to a perfect man. It, the word is telos, it means matured, complete. Praise God. To a matured man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So there is a standard by which God wants the body of Christ to come into. The, the standard, you know, when you write an exam, uh, sometimes when you write a continuous assessment test, they say, well, this is over 20. That means 20 is the standard. Or they say over 30. 30 is the standard. Or over 100. 100 becomes what? The standard. So, everything you have is measured against what? The standard, which is 100. Now, what are we being measured against? Is the measure of the stature which belongs to what? The fullness of Christ. That's the standard. A pastor is not your standard. Christ is. Now that doesn't mean a pastor should behave uh, any way they want. But ultimately, everybody has to measure up to the standard which is in Christ Jesus. Are you following this now? Are you following this? Alright. Now... Let's see something here. So, the, the, the Bible tells us very clearly that these gifts were given so that they can get something done. They can get a particular body of knowledge to the saints. That means the equipping of Christians, the equipping of the saints is restricted to a particular framework of knowledge, which is the knowledge of the Son. What, what that means is, you know, the more you go to church, the more you come for fellowship, the more you hear the Word, the more you learn the Word, the more your understanding of Christ should be stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Pastors should not just determine what they want to teach. We can't turn the church of Jesus to just business centers. We can't decide we want to make everybody a millionaire in the church. We can teach on finances where the word of God is concerned, but primarily we're given to equip the saints so they can come into maturity by the knowledge of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The church of Jesus is not a multi-purpose center. There is an assignment for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? And, and you, you should approach the church as a learning center, as an equipping center. That's how you should approach church. You know, one of the dangers we've done in church, and I said it last time, is we have replaced education with entertainment. We, we, don't, we don't see the church as a learning center. And it's important that we renew our mind where that is concerned. 
That when I come to church, I'm approaching the church, I'm approaching my service like a student going to be equipped in a body of knowledge so I can come into the fullness of what God has in mind for me. That's how I approach my meetings. That's how I approach my study. Now, let's see something here. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter... Uh, while you're still in Ephesians chapter 4, if you use the King James Version, you see the word attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. Attain to a mature man. Attain to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, that, that word attain was used... Uh, at about nine times in the book of Acts. And it means to arrive at a final destination. More like when you arrive at the final destination of a journey. What that tells us is that all of these fivefold ministries are given until we get to that point. And that's why also we need to be careful because we've got some people who are saying, well, pastors are not necessary now. Apostles are not necessary now. We are all, uh, we are all equal. Now, this is not about a ranking as it were. But if you say that, that means you are invariably saying that everybody has come to maturity. So we must understand that if everybody hasn't come to maturity, then there are some people the Lord has called to occupy these offices, not so they can be above the body of Christ, but so they can equip the body of Christ so that we can all come into maturity. Are we together? Alright. Are we together? Okay. Now, uh, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll show you something there. Come with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. Let's look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, the word endure is different from enjoy. They almost sound the same, but they're not the same. Right? Are you here or you're going home? Alright. So if I say, I want you to Endure this. What am I saying? Patience. Beautiful. I want you to, to do what? To be more patient, right? To endure means to probably go through something you're not comfortable going through. W- would that be endurance? Would that be endurance? Okay. For instance, how many of us in this church, I know we are old, but how many of us like licking ice cream? Don't pretend. I know your wife is looking at you, but you can just raise your hand just, just here. I'll be the only one to say. Now, all of us like licking ice cream, right? Now, okay, some people don't like. Uh, what, what do you think everybody would like? Huh? If everybody doesn't like ice cream, then this is, this is a unique church. What do you think everybody would like? Suya. Who, who, who is that? <laughs> okay, so how many of us like suya? How many, everybody likes suya, right? Do, do you think it would be nice for me to come to you and say, this is 1,000 error. I want you to go and buy suya and endure eating it. You know, the, the way you go, like, hey, pastor. <laughs> you know, because it's something you like. So what you like, you don't endure. You enjoy. 
The Bible is saying a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. That means a time will come when people will not be patient with sound doctrine. They're going to enjoy something else. Did you see that? Now it says, but wanting to have ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves. Now understand, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, the Bible says, God will give. But in this instance, it's not God giving them teachers. They are accumulating teachers for themselves. Says they will accumulate teachers for themselves in accordance to their own desires. That means they will get teachers who teach what they want to hear. And why is this happening? Because they don't want to endure sound doctrine. Are you still here? So it's important. It, so it tells us sometimes that the fact that they are, you cannot use the word accumulate if it's not in abundance. I cannot say you should accumulate something that is cursed. If I say accumulate, it means you can have it in abundance. That means there will be teachers in abundance who are not going to teach sound doctrine. They are going to teach what people want to hear. I'll give you a simple example because sometimes these things don't look like uh, they are big. But we need to check it out. For instance, you would have a preacher say to you, "Ah, you can be anything you want to be in this life. Is that true? Is that what the Bible teaches? No. The Bible doesn't say that. That's motivational speaking. That's positive thinking. The Bible doesn't say you can be anything you want to be. God has a plan for your life. So sound doctrine would be, you know what? You have to be what God has called you to be. Did you see the difference? But what do you think we want to hear? I can be anything I want to be. And you have Christians who are walking directly opposite of the purposes of God for their life because they want to be what God wants them. They want to be what they want to be, not what God wants them to be. Did you see that? (laughs) It's very. It's 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 a thin line here. But you know, when, when you gave your life to Christ and you accepted the Lord Jesus, He fashioned a plan for your life. And you don't have a right to take your life the way you want to live it. You have now a Lord and a Master who tells you what He wants to do with your life. That's sound doctrine. I can, I can tell that that's sound by how quiet it is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, I'll give you an example. That means the Lord can decide that you go and be a missionary somewhere and that doesn't fight your desire because we tend to, con- we tend to always equate the will of God with abundance and accumulation because we judge our success by the world standard. You, you see that now? I'm sure you saw it. Second Timothy 4 3. For the time will come when they will not enjoy sound doctrine, but wanting to have ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Verse 4 and will turn away, will turn away 
will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. What are myths? Things that are unfounded. Hmm? And we talked about that. Generational curses and some of those stuff. Redeeming your firstborn. They'll turn aside for the truth of God's word. The book of Peter tells us that we were not redeemed by corruptible things, not gold or silver. We were redeemed by the precious things, by the precious blood of Jesus. And a pastor would also stand and say, well, you need money to redeem your firstborn. He has turned aside from the truth of God's word that is written in the word and turned aside to myths. And all because he was born in such a poverty-stricken condition, he feels that every firstborn son is under a curse. And that's what we want to hear. Because it, it validates our experiences. Are you still here? Now, go to First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. We're looking at this now. Because there's a body of knowledge. God doesn't want the saints equipped with myths and stories and theories. God wants the body of Christ equipped with the knowledge of the Son. That's where we are. The purpose is the knowledge of the Son. That means that when you become a child of God and you plug into a local church, you receive the ministry of a prophet, a teacher, apostle, evangelist. He's equipping you more in the knowledge of Jesus. You're getting to know Christ more. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, praise God, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct sending men not to teach strange doctrines. It says, as I departed from Macedonia, I want you to remain in Ephesus. Stay there. So that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Verse 4. Not to pay attention to myths. There are a lot of myths in the body of Christ. A lot of myths being taught as the doctrine of God. And if you're not a diligent student of the word, you will not recognize that these are myths. That's the truth. Now look at this. And endless genealogies. Hmm? Endless genealogies. Which give rise to mere speculation. And after hearing all of this, you begin to speculate, speculate, speculate. You're not sure. (laughs) Rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Or the kingdom says, it doesn't edify. It does not build up the saints. You leave a church service and you live with more fear than faith. So scared. Well, you know, you know, we've been so thought about the devil that almost everybody thinks the devil is powerful. Right? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Go and listen to my series on overcoming the devil. You know, you've even seen some themes, church meetings, and what's the title of the program? Power must change hands. Power must change hands. Now, when you see a theme like that, power must change hands, the first question you want to ask yourself is change hands from who to who? Because Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, if your program is power must change hands, what you're actually trying to say is power is going to leave the hands of Jesus to the hands of the devil. Am I right? 
Because the Bible says all power. I know you're taking some time to process this, but that's what the Bible says. The, the Bible says all power belongs to God. We sing it even in the Palm of Change Hands program. What we are warring against is a deceptive devil. The Bible talks about the wiles of the enemy. The deception of the enemy. So the devil deceives you through ignorance. It's not that the devil is powerful. Are you still here? You know, we, we can't even share testimony in church without bringing the devil in the picture. Praise the Lord. You know this one. And the devil fought. And the devil fought. The devil said no. I say yes. He said no. I say yes. Finally, my God did it. Because we always measure the power of Jesus as against the devil. It's almost plural and opposite, opposite. You want God the devil. We almost put it that way. And so you have more believers living in fear than faith. More believers living in fear than faith. And God is counting on us to bring salvation to the whole world. And imagine how fearful we are. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Let's see here now. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. And a good conscience and a sincere faith. Verse 6. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion. Can you imagine that? Fruitless discussion. You listen to a whole message. You can't find Christ in it. You can't find instruction in it. You can't find sound doctrine in it. Just fruitless discussion. Look at this now. Wanting to be teachers of the law. Even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertion. They want to teach, but they don't understand it. Why? Because these were teachers that others heaped for themselves. Glory to God. You know, I've said it before, how quickly we are quick to ordain people as pastors in our churches. Because now we need to have those millions of churches all over the world. And we're quick to set people in the office of pastors and leaders and apostles and all that. Who first of all have not been called of the Lord. Secondly have not been trained to teach the saints. And you've got pastors who don't have the time to study. Because then they're weighed down by their job. And then they've got to just quickly get something ready. For the church, on their way to work, they go online. Thank God for technology. And they quickly get a sermon. And they come in and they just pour it. It's because we don't consider the work of the Lord important. That the people of God need to be fed diligently. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and then the saints also are okay with that. Because all they want to come to church to do is, I receive. Today will be good, I receive. Tomorrow will be good, I receive. I receive. And you're going to do that all the days of your life. You receive, receive, receive. You, and then you ask yourself a simple question. After you have the house, you have the child, you have the money, what else? What else? So we almost make Christianity looks like it's a need-meeting religion. And outside of that... 
Nothing else. But the truth of the matter is, God gave us the scripture so we can learn about the knowledge of his son. Let's, let's read on. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. That means if you're able to interpret the law lawfully, we know that it is good. Now, let's, let's see something here. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4. Looking about why God said in the body of Christ, some people don't be teachers, apostles, and prophets. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 4. Or we can read from verse 3. From verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. Verse 3. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. Talking about what he has written before. For by referring to this, when you read, when you read, when you read, it is important that the scriptures be read. We have to prioritize the reading of the scriptures when you read. This is not just skeletal reading of the Bible. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? We have to prioritize the reading of the scriptures when you read. You can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So, the, the scriptures were not given to us for us to be in more mystery. The scriptures were given to us so we can understand the insight of Paul and the other apostles into the mystery of Christ. Now go on. Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. So even the apostles and the prophets ought to understand this mystery. Ought to know this mystery. And make it available to the body of Christ. We're not called apostles and prophets to confuse the body of Christ. We're called apostles and prophets to make the body of Christ understand the mystery. That Paul is talking about. Now verse 6. To be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body. And fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now let's clarify this mystery. Because Paul said that he has written about this before. That when we read we can understand the mystery. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Let's see another letter of Paul. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25. Colossians 1, 25. Or rest, let's read from verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I do, not, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Verse 25. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship or the dispensation, if you read some translations, from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I may fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, talking about the mystery now, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations. What is the mystery? But now has been what? Manifest or made manifest to what? To his saints. Now, 
the mystery has been made manifest to his saints. What's that mystery? Verse 27. To whom God willed to make known what is what? The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, when Paul goes in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, go to Ephesians 1 18. Hold your place in Colossians. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. And let me show you something there. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Look at this. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? Praise God. And the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, we read this. Paul says, let's pray that our eyes will understand this. And somebody says, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Colossians 1.27 To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, pray that you will understand what it means when the scripture says, Christ is in you. Understand it. You know, Paul said we need to pray so we can understand this. That there is a riches of the inheritance of God in the saints. What's that riches? Christ now in the child of God. And we need to feed on this truth. And we spend years teaching God's children anything but this. That Christ lives in them. That they are the carriers. And you know why this was a big deal? Because when God created, go listen to our series for this course. When God created Adam, it was for fellowship. When God created Adam, it was for communion. Praise God. When God created Adam, it was for both of them to have communion and fellowship together. And when man fell, praise God. You know, God began to dwell in the ark, from the ark to the temple of Solomon, from the temple of Solomon to the temple in Jerusalem. And on the day of his death, burial, and resurrection, that thing was broken. So man no long, so God no longer dwells in temples and acts and things. God began to come back to stay in man, as in the, when the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2, because that's been his original plan from the beginning. That he wants to live in his children. He wants to govern in his children. In fact, when he talks about the new covenant or the new testament, one of the things that was, he says, I will put my spirit upon them and I will cause them to walk in my laws, says the Lord. And here, we've got a whole, a whole group of people raised as if they can't hear God and only the prophet has to hear God for them. Hmm? Because you're not teaching them that Christ lives in them. You're not teaching them that the word of God says my sheep will hear my voice. You're all interested in hearing for them. Because you feel they can't hear God. You know, how many times do we treat the children of God like they can't hear God for themselves? And that's what we like. 
We like to heap such teachers for ourselves. Praise God. Because it's easy on us. We don't need to study the word of God. We don't need to fellowship with God. We don't need anything. Just come to church. And somebody's going to hear God for me. Oh, somebody's going to see something for me. What happened to your eyes? My sheep hear my voice. Are you a sheep or a goat? Where are you? Because if you're God's sheep, he will speak to you. Are you still here? So we know, verse 28, we proclaim him, talking about Jesus, admonishing every man, teaching, 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 teaching every man, teaching every man, teaching every man, with all wisdom, so we may present every man complete in Christ. That word complete is the word tell us, matured in Christ. It is the teaching about Jesus that matures the saints. Are you here? It's the teaching about Jesus that does what? Matures the saints. That's what brings you to maturity. That's what brings you to maturity. And that's what the Lord has called the ministers of the gospel to do. To teach the saints. Look at this. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to the power which mightily works in me. Now, let's see something here. Go to uh, Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. And verse 25. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 16, 25. Are you learning something today? Alright. Romans 16, 25. <laughs> you know, my kids came to me the other day, uh, yesterday morning. I was talking about something. And he said, uh, is the church a school? <laughs> you know, I said, yes, it's, it should be a school. should be a school. Hmm? You know, I was thinking, I was, I, was, I was just thinking, I said, man, after I've pastored, after I've pastored a while, I mean, pastored for a long time, if I'm planting any other church again, I'll plant it straight as, as a teaching center and as a school. Hmm? Well, I would have desk all around, desk, and just come and learn the word, just come and learn the word. See, saints, there's a lot in this scripture we need to mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, there's so much. You know, when I started this topic, I thought, well, in two Sundays we'll be done. I mean, we've, we've not even gone halfway in the scripture. I know sometimes I feel people, people will get tired. Like, ah, oh, yeah, primary, primary purpose of five, we know now, pastor, is to equip the saints. Is there something else? You know, because we've, been, we've also been trained sometimes to go to church and hear a new topic every Sunday. Hmm? That's the truth. And some of these things, we need to spend time to dig into them. Too. We need to spend time. And that's one of the problems we have with the charismatic circle of which I'm part. We threw away Sunday school. We felt people didn't have time. And there's, 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 there's how little you can teach in 45 minutes. For peop- I'm not talking about people to get their breakthroughs and their miracles. I mean, how many of you were here? Was it on Wednesday with laid hands on a few people? Was it Wednesday? Or Sunday. I mean, that's the anointing. That can get, on five minutes you can get people, I mean, under the power of the Holy Spirit. Next, on Wednesday we have a healing school. Right? But I'm talking about building the truth in your spirit. I'm not talking about you receiving a miracle. You can receive a miracle in an instant. 
But how many of you realize that after Jesus had taught long hours on the mountain and taught all of those parables, what did he do to the disciples? Come on, somebody tell me. What did he do to the disciples? He took them aside and explained the parables to them again. Another teaching class. I mean, you know how the disciples would have felt? You sat on a mountain with Jesus. Not like air-conditioned atmosphere. No mic, no amplifier. Blessed are thou! Blessed are you! Blessed are thou! Blessed are thou! Bam, everybody's tired. And then you guys are walking. He now said, yeah, you know, that blessed are thou said, Peter would have said, we're there now. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? In the Christian faith, we must assume the posture of learners. That's the, that's the posture. Not just the posture of receiving, but of learning. You know, I've gone to some places to preach that are not probably used to teaching in that sense. And I've turned scriptures. Let's go to Colossians. Let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to... By the time I turn four or five scriptures like that, you just see people just down tools. They'll just close Bible and be looking. Say, go, go anywhere you want to go and summarize and tell us. <laughs> Glory to God. Alright, Romans chapter 16. Let's look at verse 25. Romans 16, 25. It says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. Verse 26. But now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets. What is he referring to as scriptures here? Whatever the prophets wrote. He says, this whole mystery that I've been uh, hidden in ages past. Is now being made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. According to the commandments of the eternal God Has been made known to all nations Leading to obedience of faith To the only wise God Through Jesus Christ Be glory forever and ever Paul is saying listen The gospel which I'm preaching Is that which has been hidden in ages past And it is in the scriptures of the prophet That means when I read the prophet What I see is Jesus Now go to Romans chapter 1 Let's see how he started this later. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Look at the gospel of God. Commander, gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophet in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. So, when they looked at the scriptures, what they saw is Jesus. What they saw is a revelation of the Messiah. That's what they saw. And so today, when we look at the scriptures, that's what we should spend our, our time teaching on. Because this is what will bring people to maturity. This is what will bring people to be equipped as sons of God. You see, if you know of a truth that Christ lives in you, it will bolden your confidence. It will bolden your authority. It will bolden your approach to life. It will change the way you see life. Hallelujah. You know people walk in sin because they are not conscious that God lives in them. They are not conscious of it. Or if they are conscious of it, they disregard it. Look at this. Let's, let's, let's look at something. 
Let's look at Jesus, okay? Luke 24. Look at Jesus. Remember, all of these, um, all of these scriptures we're reading, right? I want to ask you a very tricky question. Okay? It's not tricky. It's just simple. But uh, You know, all of these scriptures we're reading, you know they were, not, they were not there when Jesus was alive, right? Right? You know the, you know the Bible they read was the prophets. Yeah? Jesus was not saying turn to Matthew now. Was Jesus saying turn to Matthew in the synagogue? <laughs> Jesus didn't read Matthew, of course, those who are not there. Now, some people, when you ask them, where, where is the New Testament? What's the New Testament? Or where does the New Testament start? What's the quick answer people give? Matthew. Right? Right. No, don't worry, you can't feel it. People go to Matthew, right? But is that where the New Testament started? That's not where the New Testament started. That's the record of the Gospels of Jesus. Because a testament cannot start until it, the testator dies. Okay. I'm not saying it's not the New Testament. I'm just saying that for a New Testament to start, the old has to go off. And so until Jesus died and resurrected, the New Testament did not kick into effect. So when you read the Gospels, you will see some things that are still part of the old. For instance, every time Jesus healed, no, well, not every time. Every time will not be, good, be the correct word to use there. But most of the times when Jesus healed, he would tell them, go and show yourself to the priests. What was, it, what was Jesus doing? Until the priests certified those people healed and accommodated back into the society, they couldn't come back to the society. Because when you read the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, when you had certain sicknesses like leprosy, they will ostracize you from the society. And if you are healed or you got better, the priest had to, ask, had to endorse you before you come back to society. So you see, Jesus, walking in the Gospels, walked under the law. Because the law was still what? In existence. So that's why you find out that a lot of the New Testament teachings came out from the writings of Paul. Because essentially, after Jesus died, he was one of the apostles who picked up the revelation of the new man in Christ. Praise God. Well, that's just bonus. Listen to the message again, you will understand it. Let's go to... Luke 24, because I want to point something to you in Jesus, what Jesus said. Verse 27. Let's read from verse 25. Well, don't go about saying, I did not say Matthew is not the New Testament. Okay? Because, you know, I found something very funny nowadays. And people just take one minute of your clip and just put it out there. And then you just want to misrepresent everything. Because people are more interested in your downfall. People just want to find something wrong with you. And, and that's a problem. That's a problem. People just want to find out where you're wrong. <laughs> and they will not refute it with scriptures. They will not refute it with scriptures. And that's why you have to be a student of the word. And that's why when I teach you here, I give you a lot of scriptures. I'll give you a lot of scriptures that you can live off for one week before you come back for the next dose. Just go studying it again. And reading it carefully so you don't forget these things. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Are you still here? Luke, tw Luke 24, verse 25. And he said to them, you remember the story? 
wrote to Emmaus. Jesus had resurrected now. Jesus had resurrected and talking to these disciples. And the disciples said, well, you know, Jesus told us he was going to rise again. Some people went to the grave and they said he has risen. Ah, Jesus. He told us he will rise. And then Jesus was walking with them. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People say, oh, if Jesus would just appear to me, oh, I would have faith. It's a lie. Yours is even good that you can have faith in the written word. You know, if Jesus appears to you now, most of you will not know that Jesus has appeared to you. Okay. So, it's not the appearance of Jesus that gives us faith. It's faith in the written word. Praise the name of the Lord. It's faith in the written word. And you know, most people want Jesus to appear to them. And you know the reason they want Jesus to appear? And if Jesus appears to them, you know why they will not even know it's Jesus? Because they have a mind of how Jesus is. Huh? They have a mind of how Jesus is. What's that mind? What, what cloth do you think Jesus is wearing? Somebody tell me. White. How do you think Jesus' hair is? Long. How do you think his eyes are? How do you think his nose is? Like mine. Pointed like mine. That's an actor. That's not Jesus. Throw those pictures away. They will ruin your faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All those pictures of Jesus you see are pictures of an actor. Especially the one he's doing like this. The scripture tells us that on his way to his crucifixion, he was mad beyond recognition. That you will not even desire him. He was flogged. He was whipped. There were blood all over his face. And Paul says, this same Jesus... We know him no more after the flesh. He is now Lord and Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These things look simple, but deal with them. So when you have an image of Jesus like that, even if Jesus appears to you, you will not know it's Jesus. Why am I saying that? Jesus that they were talking about was walking with them. They did not know it was Jesus they were talking about. Look at this. Verse 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but they did not see him. Verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Can you see something? Hey, I, I need you to really, I need you to follow me now. Can you see something? They said, they went to the grave. And this is what we saw. And this is what we saw. And this is what we saw. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you guys are fools. And you're slow of heart. To believe all that the prophets have done what? Have spoken. So Jesus was saying, listen. You didn't even need the women to go to the grave to check if I've risen. It was already written in the scriptures. You ought to believe it because the prophets have spoken about it. They talk, about, they talk about his resurrection. He points them back to the scriptures. Are you here? Then look at it. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. Then beginning with Moses, that's the law, and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself. In how many scriptures? All scriptures. Come on, are you here? Are you seeing this? You, you, do you know what Jesus did? Hey, come on. Everybody look up. Everybody look up. 
I know you want to read Bible now. Now look up. Do you know what Jesus did? If you had, if you had risen from the dead, hmm? if you had risen from the dead, right? And you meet your disciples. And they say, Ah, oh, they said you were going to rise. Oh, pastor, they said you were going to rise. And then you did not rise again. And you were the one that was risen. What would you do? Come on, tell me what you would do. I know what I would do. What do you think you would do? Eh? You say, what do you want me to do now? Should I disappear and appear? What are you going to do? You're going to try to use all the supernatural powers you have to convince them that you have risen. Am I right or wrong? That's what you're going to do. You're going to say, oh, I will make your hand disappear now. You are doubting me. <laughs> and then you disappear his hand. I say, Peter, I will turn your neck to the back. Eh? We're going to display power. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus took them back to scriptures. Do you know Jesus never convinced them by supernatural display of power that he had risen? He did not. The scripture says he went back to Moses and went with all the prophets. He started explaining again to them things containing himself in all scriptures. It's like saying, they said Jesus was going to rise. He now said, you know what? Deuteronomy said this. Uh, Joel said this. Isaiah said this. Jesus took them back again to scriptures and began to explain again. That is how believers are equipped. Believers are equipped by diligent explanation of scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That's how the children of God are trained. We are not trained by supernatural manifestations. We are trained by diligent explanation of scriptures. He took them back again. He took them back again. He took them back again. That's why it's difficult today to convince the saints of God about certain truths that have been peddled around. Because they are mesmerized by the supernatural. You know, I can come here right now and put a bowl of water in front here and pray over it and say, well, anybody who comes in and put his hands on this bowl of water will go back home with a miracle. And if ten, five people do it, you know this place is going to be full. You know that, right? Yeah. If you don't know, no. The place is going to be full. Now, what will happen? Anything I teach again, people will not pay attention to it whether it's right or wrong. They will not listen anymore. Anything I say is correct. Look at this. Go to verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you, while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me, in the law of Moses, and the prophet, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. This was the prayer that Paul was praying. He had explained to them. He had taught them. He had told them about everything in the scripture. And he opened their minds. Say, understand this. He didn't show them any miraculous power. First, he explained the scriptures to them. And then later they broke bread and it disappeared from the side. But he explained the scriptures to them. We have to cultivate a body of Christ that is patient with the explanation of scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to create a culture for the word again in our churches. 
Because the promise of God is that he was going to feed. He was going to give us shepherds who will feed us with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15. He says, I'll give you shepherds after my own heart. Who will feed you with knowledge and what? Understanding. God wants the body of Christ to come to a higher place of understanding. In John chapter 21 and verse 17 when he was talking to Peter. He says, Peter... Do you love me more than this? And Peter said yes. He asked Peter three times. Peter was, was angry. Say, Peter got upset the third time. You know, sometimes you feel that if you have been a disciple of Jesus, hmm, you would have been a very nice disciple. It's amazing. How many of us thought if we, if, we, if we were serving Jesus, we would not be angry with Jesus? How many of you think so? Let me see your hands. If you think so. You think so? I think you are lying. Because we saw all the disciples angry with the man. Because hmm? human nature will come up. Jesus had a disciple who sold him. How many of you think if you were a disciple of Jesus, you would not sell him? Hmm? The man prized Jesus. 30 pieces of silver. He went to meet the Jews and said, I've got Jesus for sale. Say, how much? Say, bring 100. Say, no, we have 30. Say, no, we're talking about the original Jesus, the one who came down from heaven. This is not China Jesus. This is the Messiah. Do you want him or not? <laughs> the man was a disciple of Jesus. Sold him off. Here, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus was asking him a simple question. Hmm? Let's take it from verse, before the man got angry. I like that place where he got angry. But let's take it from that, the time he was cool. Verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, they had eaten. So it was not that he was angry out of hunger. They finished breakfast. So Jesus ate with his disciples. Okay? Jesus ate with his disciples. Okay. So, <laughs> so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Tend my lambs. 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said, Shepherd my sheep. Then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, what's the proof that you love the body of Christ? You feed the sheep. If you love God's people, feed them. What should you feed them with? Jeremiah 3 tells us, knowledge and what? Understanding. Not theories, not myths. The proof that you love Jesus is to equip his body. The pastor that loves you will spend time teaching you and equipping you and giving you knowledge and giving you understanding. That's the proof that a man loves Jesus. Let's go to Acts chapter 28 and verse 23. Let's see something, a few more scriptures and we're done. Acts 28. We'll continue with this on Sunday. Acts chapter 28. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're looking at the role of the fivefold ministry. How essentially we're to teach and build up the body of Christ. Whether you're a prophet, whether you're an evangelist, whatever role you occupy in the body of Christ, you've got to make sure you're equipping and building up the body. Acts 28. 23, when they had set a day for Paul, and he came to him at his lodging in large numbers, 
He was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. How was he trying to do this? From both the law of Moses and from the prophets. From when? From when? I didn't hear you. From when? Morning till when? Evening. Can you see how long it took, it took this man to persuade them from the law of Moses and the prophets about Jesus? Morning till evening. So let's assume they started talking about 7 o'clock in the morning. Probably they finished about uh, 7 in the evening or 6 in the evening. They spent over 12 hours examining the scriptures. No opening prayer, no praise, no worship, no special number. Just going through scriptures. Just going through scriptures. Trying to establish the fact about Christ. That's how believers are trained. That's how believers are immersed. You can't establish people in sound doctrine who are not patient to learn. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why when Jesus was teaching the disciples, uh, the, 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 the multitudes, they came to him. And they were running after him. He says, I know why you are looking for me. It's because of fish and bread. It's not because of truth. And Jesus said, well, let's go a little bit further. And he just shared a, a bit of truth with them. And says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said, hey, cannibal. They took off. They didn't even wait for him to explain. They just took off. And then he turned to Peter and said, would you also not go away? Peter now made a remarkable statement. He says, to whom shall we, shall, shall we go? For you have the word of truth. You have the word of truth. What should make you stay in a local church is if you find the word of truth. If you're taught the word of truth. If you're growing in your maturity. And you know the beautiful thing I like about God? As we spend time in the word of God, all the things we're looking after, God has a way of getting them to us. God has a way of getting our needs met. And supplies coming in. And favor coming in. Even though we don't major on this subject, we just have our needs met. And the kingdom of God supplies everything that we need. And we are richly supplied. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Alright, let's look at Acts again. Acts 24, 14. We'll do one more scripture after this. Acts 24 and verse 14. And that's why you should write all the scriptures down. Go back again. Follow them step by step. Read them. Study them. Go over them again. Acts 24 verse 14. Look at this. But, but these admit to you. That according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve. The God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law. And that is written in the prophets. So all their conviction was based on that which is written. On that which is documented in the law and in the prophets. So that when we read the law and the prophets, what we read is knowing the person of Jesus. Glory to God. The, the law and the prophets are no longer consuming. You know, uh, when we saw uh, Elijah, you know, some kids called him Bahead and the man brought down fire and, and pium, to kill them off. Prophets do not touch. Hmm? Jesus was going to a place and uh, some people didn't receive him. And the disciple says, do you want us to call down fire like Elijah did. What do you think will be our response today? Maybe I want to go and preach in a city and they don't receive me. And then my staff in the office comes 
And say, Pastor, they didn't receive you in that church. Do you want me to call down fire like Elijah did? What am I going to do? What do you think my response would be? I know what my response would be. What, what do you think the response would be? What do you think your response would be if you were to go somewhere and they didn't receive you? And, and two of your disciples come and say, should we call down fire like Elijah did? What, what would be your response? Tell me the truth. Come on, tell me, church. What would be your response? Huh? I can't, I can't hear you. Call the fire. That's a brilliant response. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Because we want fire to destroy people to prove that we're authentic. What did Jesus say? He said, don't do it. For you do not know what manner of spirit you're made of. Even though they referenced the scriptures, Jesus said, that doesn't represent me. But today, 95% of our prayers in the body of Christ is about what? Come on, let's be honest. 95% of our prayers in the body of Christ is about what? Does that represent what we read about Jesus in the law and the scriptures? Absolutely no. Absolutely no. <laughs> you know, everybody who teaches you to pray like that will not read this verse I've prayed, I've, I read now. They will never read it because it's selective reading. They read the scripture to inform what they already believe, not for the scripture to correct what they believe. Do you think it's easy for me to love my enemies? Absolutely none. That's why I need the grace of God. But today you can have a whole Sunday hmm, declared as a day where enemies are going to be killed. And the ones that are very bold will ask you to bring broom. You know, sometimes I'm very amused by my fellow brothers and sisters in this glorious faith. They say, bring Cain. We're going to kill all your, your enemies. Hmm? And you bring Cain. Say, okay, we we'll flog your enemies, and then they flog and flog and flog and flog and flog and flog. Then the next minute, the guy says, You know, spirits don't die. Spirits cannot be touched by this physical realm. But you just told them to bring king to flog spirits. And then the next Sunday, you tell them spirits don't die. And yet you just told them that they can kill their enemies. And yet you say, spirits, don't die. And you know, when you see people carrying cane and coffins and broom to church, you laugh, ah, we never do that. Don't say that. Because the more you are not established in truth, you will not know when you will convince yourself to do that. It's just cane now, at least how much is cane is right. Even if it's not right, let's just carry it. Before you know, you will do worse. I've seen people who teach the truth of the new creation. After a while, because of certain experiences, they began to, they began to change it a bit to suit. Do you know one of the things that makes you a believer is the ability to endure trials? Hmm? I'm going to do a full series on how to go through sufferings. Because sometimes we have almost taught a Christianity that people cannot endure sufferings. As far as we are in the fallen world, sometimes things will get tough. When Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth, it was not a sticker he bought in church. It's easy to read about Job until you have a Job experience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Because we presented a theology that makes it look like whenever something is wrong, then, yeah, you've got to do something about it. You know the story of Joseph is so beautiful. And the only place we preachers speak is how Joseph woke up in prison. You know, very interesting. Joseph slept in prison on Monday and woke up on Tuesday as a prime minister. You know, that makes a good sermon. I said, you know, that makes a good sermon. But you know, he didn't just wake up. That guy had a journey with God. And so you cannot teach the prime minister of Joseph, Joseph being a prime minister, without talking about the process he went through. How he kept his integrity. How even when in prison, he was put there wrongly, he maintained his joy and interpreted other people's dreams. How many believers can go through trial and still minister joy to others? Hmm? You know, immediately we go through trial. Commitment to church stops. Huh? Commitment to anything stops. In fact, when we are going through any problem, the first thing we stop is church. Because we just feel, no, if God is good, why am I this way? If, if, the, if, your, if your theology of the goodness of God is based on your experience, you would always question God in your life. Because things will happen in your life that will make you question God. You know what Job said? He said, yet, even if he slay me, yet will I trust him. That means, I don't care what the experiences are. My faith in God is rooted. Glory to God. That was just a side. I believe somebody needed to hear that. Last scripture, Acts 8.35. Acts 8.35. You know, sometimes as we teach the word of God, we allow God, the Holy Ghost, to lead us in some side journeys to bless the body. That's one of those side journeys. Acts 8.35. Now, let's try reading from verse 32. You know this, when Philip went to this man, our last scripture. Now, um, Philip went to the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember? Hello, do you remember the story? Okay, so the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Um, he was reading the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 7. So he had the scroll. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading, talking about the Ethiopian eunuch, was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its terror is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Say, whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Can you see? Beginning from the book of Isaiah, what did Philip preach to this man? Jesus. So he used Isaiah to preach Jesus to this man. What are we establishing today? Is that the goal of the fivefold ministry must be that every time we open the scriptures, we are establishing people in the truth of Jesus. Not myths, not fables, not genealogies, not stories. We are getting people grounded more and more convinced about the truth of who Jesus is. And this, my friend, is why God gave the gifts to the body of Christ. Are we going to have our needs met? Yes. Are we going to receive miracles? Yes. But essentially, we all need to come into the point of maturity. Paul says, when I was a child, 
I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I understood as a man. What is maturity is understanding. You grow in your understanding of the truth of Scripture. You grow in your convictions of the truth of Scriptures. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. You know, something happened a couple of weeks back and, and uh, I was talking to someone about it and it was like, when that happened, I was so surprised you were not moved. I said, no, it wasn't moved. I, I mean, I don't think. I don't think. It might be rare, but I don't think there's anything that would happen in this world that would get me into anxiety. No. I've rooted, I've rooted my conviction of the goodness of God in spite of my circumstances. There have been situations going on all around me that don't get into my soul. Why? I live by the word. And I look at the response. What does the word of God tell me to do? I respond according to the word regardless of my emotions. Regardless of how I feel. Regardless of what the circumstance may suggest to me. That's how you become matured. Finding your identity in Christ. Finding your root in Christ. Glory to God. Finding your, 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 <laughs> you are firmly rooted in the truths of the scriptures. And nothing moves you. Nothing moves you. Nothing moves you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let, let, let's be on our feet. Let's, let's just lift our hands and thank him for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. Let's thank Him. Let's just thank Him. Let's thank Him for a moment. Oh, hallelujah to your name, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah to your name, Jesus. We reverence your name. We honor you, Jesus. Put your hands and just thank Him and honor Him. Oh, Shalamanda Kasele Pratose. We thank you, Father. Oh, we honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. In Kalabashana, in Bradadabakasatala. Oh, Selemanda, la 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 Let's just meditate before the Lord for a moment. We're done. Just in worship. Just in worship. Oh, we give you glory, 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 glory. Father, we thank you. We praise your name, Jesus. Oh, bless your name. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.